Hello and welcome to the Sitcom Club USA, in which we discuss a specific episode of an American sitcom as selected by our guest, who this week is Kelvin Bilsland, host of the podcast Radio Face Presents Idiot vs. Arsehole, as part of the Podnose Network. At the time of recording, we're veering towards late October, and so we tuck into a Halloween-specific show as selected by Kelvin, which is Season 2, Episode 7 of Roseanne, which originally aired on October the 31st, 1989, and is simply titled Boo. Getting all prepared for uh, the Halloween season? <laughs> I don't know about that. I, uh, I don't really... Uh, I don't want to go in for it. <laughs> oh, really? So, I don't you can if you can really feel passionately avert, uh, opposed to Halloween. I suppose you can do. Some people don't like it for various reasons, but uh, no, I, uh, I, 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 no, I don't. I don't even do anything for Christmas, so I, uh, I'm, you know, I can't say I, there's any particular pulling me to to do Halloween. So, uh, but no, I don't mind it. It's always quite nice when you do sort of see that people have have done something for it, and you sort of walk down the street over those. Well, it's only usually about a week or so beforehand, but you start seeing people have put things out. So, you know, the thing is, though, in this country, obviously I'm in the UK, so it's like, you know, in this country, you don't really see people make, put that much into it, you know, put, throw themselves into it in the way that, like, the Americans seem to, from what I've, you know, everything you see in here, I don't know, I don't know how true that is for the sort of wider population, but certainly on YouTube, basically. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, in sitcoms and everything. I mean, you know, there certainly seems to be a thing in in um, in in American media that they they you know they really do throw themselves into Halloween, and um, I assume that's probably continued over the years. If that's if that's true, it's probably as things become more and more commercial. I imagine it becomes even more and more sort of in your face. So, yeah. Oh, fair enough. I mean, do you, do you get trick or treaters your way come coming your way usually, or um, uh, in, around um, the time? No, but that's probably because I put um, lots of like thumbtacks all over the door handle and the you know the doorbell, and just to just so there's no risk of that whatsoever. I um, and of course boiling wax, uh, which I pour from my, my upper window. So that's oh, so- that's uh, that certainly seems to see them off. But no, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't actually think of a single occasion I've since I've lived by myself, since I've lived sort of in my own place. I don't think I've, I can't think of any occasion I've had trick or treaters because, like in my first place that I lived in, I, the first couple of places I lived in, I was always high up. I was always in like you know right up in a upper floor of a building or whatever. So nobody came, and then sort of like even now when I'm sort of on a on a street, is still I think I, maybe it's just because it's not not a particularly you know. In a city, in a, in a town area, or whatever. But no, I don't. I've not, I've not had anybody before. So, oh, okay. I mean, I mean, in terms of um, the your episode selection today, um, I, I thought maybe you might be at least, at the very least, maybe a, a horror. I mean, obviously, it's not a horror in the sense of the sitcom, but of course, they do go a little bit gory occasionally. Um, do you, I, are you drawn to the sort of macabre? Is that the? I think. Uh, I mean, I would say, um, I don't know if I would say I'm Jaws in the Cop. I, I've got, a, I suppose, a dark sense of humour, but I wouldn't necessarily say that, I mean, I don't particularly, I mean, the funny thing is I don't particularly like horror films or anything like that. You know, I'm, I am fairly squeamish. It's fair. I mean, I, I don't mind some, but I don't like it like, you know, things going into, things really being graphic, like, like the sort of stuff, I and mean, I can watch something, the horror films from years ago, but like stuff that's now, is so, ex- I mean, it's so realistic and so extreme, I just, I, I can't, I can't personally get anything from that myself. But uh, the, 
and I don't like being made to jump. That's the other thing. I, I hate being made to jump. I've derived no pleasure from, you know, like, um, what do you call them? Like, thingy, jump scares or, you know, in video games, in, in films too. Anything. I, I don't like anything like that. So, I mean, I don't mind. There's only, there's a handful of, like, horror films that I enjoy because they are, in fact, I don't even like nothing about it. I don't even like being scared. <laughs> it's not even jump scares like that. Like, if I'm honest with myself, I don't even like really being scared. Like, I think of like the horror films I like. I'm not really the ones that are like scared, like really scary. They're more kind of like where they're an interesting idea and they're maybe a little bit psychologically creepy. Like, I love the Hellraiser films, or certainly mm. the early ones. I really like the Hellraiser films. Hellraiser 2 is probably my favorite horror film. But it's, I mean, that is not, I mean, it's scary, but it's not like, you know, you don't jump, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not really like that kind of scary. And if I'm honest, it's kind of a bit dated now anyway, so visually, so it's not like it's visually, you know, frightening to watch. And so although it can be quite, well, it's very gruesome at points, but no, I wouldn't say I was particularly into, you know, I wouldn't say I have a particular macabre tastes in that sense but i mean what am i saying i love things like hannibal and stuff i mean i love the tv show hannibal That's of course yeah very, very gruesome show and you know i had to sort of found it a little bit tricky to get through some of the scenes in that but i mean i loved it i love that show so i mean i suppose i do maybe maybe i do i don't know who knows maybe mm. i don't have that level of introspection but i, I certainly i i don't i don't i don't naturally seek that kind of stuff out i would say I would say Hellraiser, and certainly Hellraiser 2, certainly in, in that sort of third act, and also um, Hannibal the series, I would say the connection there is the the aesthetic, the horror aesthetic. They're both... Um, and I'd say... Visual to them. And I think as well, the other thing they both share is that they are more uh, about kind of like a... a, a, a so there's a psychological aspect to them, you know? There's an aspect of it that's more about kind of the idea is disturbing. There's a lot of you know, rather than the necessarily the, what is actually, you know, I mean, I suppose Hannibal is obviously very gruesome, but I wouldn't say that even that is, a lot of the stuff is more about kind of like the idea of how he's playing with people and using people and that. I mean, that is to me what draws me into that. What what I particularly like about that show is the mm. kind of the, you know, how, how awful he is in playing people and using people and stuff like that. And so it, to me, I find that sort of thing much more interesting Personally, I mean, you know, everybody's entitled to like whatever they like, of course. But I personally find the kind of the idea of Hellraiser, what I like about it, you know, the the kind of the the idea. There's nothing really else quite like Hellraiser because it's so much about like the idea of enjoying the pain and kind of relishing it and the kind of the I mean, quite literally sadism and masochism and um, just the idea of the, the depiction of hell so interesting as well. I mean, again, it's not your kind of fire and brimstone and it's not like, you know, the, the traditional idea or even kind of like the kind of like, you know, dark forbidding caverns and all this sort of thing. It's nothing like that. It's, it's such an interesting visual with that kind of, although that weird maze and then the, Leviathan sort of pillar or whatever you want to call it thing in the background. It's just a, I think it's a really interesting concept and visual. And, you know, obviously I've not read Clive Barker's books, but I do, and by all accounts, the latter, I mean, certainly the later films, I started watching the films after about, I don't know, I don't know, I can't remember what the lot, but what, what, I've seen a, a bunch of the later ones, but they're all terrible after about, certainly, I think two is the, the best by a long, long way. Um, the first one's got a kind of a 
kitschy appeal to it, but I think even that one's not. <laughs> it's, it feels like it should be about, I always feel like it's it's very, um, it only just starts going. <laughs> it only just starts getting sort of moving right at the end. And then, and then you sort of, I always feel like it needs a bit more in that last act to kind of flesh it out a bit, but no, no pun intended. But it, it does feel like a part one of a, of a part two, of a, of a two part story. Yeah. And um, and also the second film doesn't just redo the first one again. You know, it is an interest. I suppose it does in some ways, but I mean, it's not exactly the same. I, mean, I like the idea that it is, you know, she's in a mental asylum or <laughs> whatever, the a hospital or whatever, I suppose is the, the politically correct type term nowadays. Um, and uh, and, you know, she's she's. Uh, it, it's interesting. I mean, you, you I, I don't know. I really feel for her as a character in that one because even though she, I mean, it, I, it's, it's quite interesting to see a film where the character, the main character, is throughout the whole thing clearly very traumatized by their experience in the previous one. You know, normally what happens is after the after a, you know an earlier film in a series, the 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 later the next one, they kind of reset to, you know, being fully with it again and being out and being prepared again. But that's not the case really with, with Hellraiser 2. She is from the beginning a complete wreck from as you would be, as anybody would be, uh, after what what she had been to in the first one. So it's kind of a I like the idea that that in the second one it's, you know, plays in that. But yeah. I mean, also, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's sort of the idea of uh certain characters being put through the ringer again and again and again over a number of uh horror over a series of films in a franchise and um uh i mean also you know the uh the first hellraiser does have a direct uk sitcom connection is it also so you know the spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen hellraiser or anyone who anyone's uh, anyone's listening go watch it and then come back um but uh at the very end when you've got the re- removal men um clearing the house up one yes. of them is les the barman from men behaving badly. Oh my goodness, that is an obscure reference, but wow, that's <laughs> I can't, I've never picked up on that, I must admit, but uh, it's been a while since I saw the film, mind you, but yeah. I, I recognized yeah. him uh, immediately. It was like, oh, there he is. So, yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's ironic that uh, you're terrified of jump scares, but the episode you've chosen is called Boo. That's true. That is ironic. You're right. That is. But I mean, I, it, I mean, I do, I do like the Halloween. Uh, I like uh, several of the Halloween episodes of, of Roseanne. I kind of thought that it was kind of appropriate because we've been talking about doing this for a while, and I wanted to do an episode of Roseanne because Roseanne is is certainly or certainly has. Well, I think it, I think it still is. It's been a few. I'll be honest. It's probably been a couple of years since I watched the whole series through. But um, I always really enjoy it, and it certainly has been in my past one of my favourite sitcoms. I'd have to watch it again to to see if I still felt that way. Because as I say, it's been probably probably two years, maybe two or three years since I I watched the whole thing through. But I have watched. You know, I used to watch the whole. Well, the original sort of run, the original run. Obviously, they've come back since then in, in various forms, but. I uh, I used to watch I I used to watch it all the time on what I think was probably back then the Paramount Comedy Channel back in the old back in was that probably the nineties I guess it was I don't know exactly it's probably the nineties that it was on it was on there it was one of my kind of my, like my sort of early formative comedy 
things that I really kind of enjoyed in my, well, not formative, but certainly my teens. It was something that really I used to always watch over and over again. And then a few years ago, probably about a decade ago, I, I got a, I managed to get a DVD box set for it at a time when it wasn't, it was really hard to get those in this country at that time. It probably is a lot easier now, but at the time I couldn't, it was very hard to get a DVD box set of it. So I, I managed to get one. Um, it might have even been from overseas or something, but basically I got one and I, and so I, I've got that and I used to watch it like almost probably about every year, but I, I would watch it through every, certainly every couple of years, all the way through I'd watch it. And even to the end, because even though it does get really bad, that show, I mean, obviously it's notoriously bad how just how <laughs> just it goes so off the rails by, uh, I mean, it's a gradual, I mean, it's a, you know, there is a real kind of like every series I think it's moves is slightly different in its kind of its focus and it's how it, um, it's tone, but by I couldn't put my foot, I couldn't tell you here and now exactly when it really goes off. But I, I certainly, I would say certainly anything past series four is probably starting to get fairly inconsistent. And then by that last series, oh, it's in fact the last couple of series are pretty terrible, really, really bad. So yeah. Well, the the last season, uh, season nine. Um, I remember um, watching. Uh, I think the only episode. I, I think the only two episodes I saw was the very final episode. Um, but the other one was the season nine Halloween episode, which um, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's the only time or if it was the a second time, but it was the appearance from uh, Jennifer Saunders and Joanna Lumley as their characters. Oh, yeah. from- that's one of the. I think that's that is the last series, but I can't remember. That's it is. In fact, you're right. It is the it's the Halloween episode in the in the last series with the Rosemary's Baby spoof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think my memories of of watching Roseanne would would have been on Channel Four uh, potentially as it was going out. Like I think because when I watched this episode, because this was this aired October. This is from the second season and aired October the thirty first. Uh, 1989. Um, so I'd have been too young to have watched it as it went out. It, you know, went, uh, unless it was uh, a, a bit down the line. But I, yeah, when when I when I when those opening credits came up and her hair was different and everyone was a bit younger, and I realised, ah, okay, this is this is sort of pre my like my knowledge of of this time. I think I was. I was probably watching Roseanne, I would say 90, because I remember distinctly watching a Hall- one of the first ones I ever saw was a Halloween episode. And I was looking through the uh, descriptions and I, I'm pretty sure that it would have at the earliest probably been something along the lines of 91. So probably about season four, um, which is when they had another one called Trick Me Up, Trick Me Down. Um, and the pranking element continues. And George Clooney's in that episode just pops up. <laughs> George Clooney's a recurring character in that in I think the whole first series. Apparently, this apparently the season four episode is the last time he pops up in it. Uh, it's like yeah, but is after he kind of because he left. I can't remember exactly when they because he was their sort of their floor manager on where where they originally worked the first basically when the, when you you know when the original series the first series they work in a uh, what's it called. Not Ryman's. I can't remember what it's called now, but anyway, it's some sort of plastics uh, factory or something. And uh, he's their he's their uh, like floor manager basically. And then about I can't remember if it's in the first or second series, but 
because I think in the second series she loses the job. Um, I thought they will walk out, but yeah. So he's I think he he doesn't appear really after that. Although he's he dates Jackie for a while, and then as you say, I think he he's in not in it for ages. And then as you say, he he comes back one more time in that last that that um, that Halloween one. It's only like a very brief appearance, but. So I can I can tell that sort of Roseanne is definitely one of your one of your com- go to comfort zone viewing ones if you're watching sort of annually. And- I really think it is. I think there's there's like it, Frasier was is one of those, and Roseanne is is another one of those. It's another because they're both shows which I watched all the time when I was a kid. Or again, I say kid, I wasn't a kid, but like I suppose my early teens, I guess. And it was like. They're both shows which I would watch, just like they, they were always on the way, like Paramount back then, probably still whatever they have their equivalent of now. It, you know, they just play the same episode or like they play the series constantly. It's just this endless cycle of episodes. So you're always watching, you know, the same episodes over and over again. So I, and I, I used to watch all the way through and then go all the way around. And then, so there's, there's a number of shows like that that there's like, probably three or four that I used to watch all the time and which I still have a real affection for in that way. But I think, I think, you know, I do genuinely believe that that Roseanne at its peak was a really, really good show. And is this particular episode, one of your favorites of, uh, of the series? It's, it's my favorite Halloween one. I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the series because <clears throat> um, I think generally speaking, the Halloween episodes don't usually tap into what I liked most about the series because the show shifted from being really kind of like a fairly traditional sitcom, if I'm honest, in the first and part, really the second series, where it was, yeah, I mean, yes, they were kind of like, yes, they were, they were working class, I suppose they weren't actually, they were kind of like American lower lower middle or whatever they call them, but it's like it, they, they basically were kind of... Um, it wasn't that you normal to see, uh, you know, a working class family on on TV in that way um, in America. But that really was the only thing that was really that unusual about it. She was, you know, she was, I suppose, outspoken really, but she wasn't. She wasn't like she was in the later series. That's the thing. In that first couple of series, it's a lot more grounded and a lot more, if I'm honest, much more traditional sitcom. In a in a lot of ways. And then as it moves on, it becomes more dramatic, more focused on sort of characters and, well, it's always focused on characters, but more focused on kind of like the storylines and kind of what makes each individual character tick and stuff. And I that's the stuff that I really like. But the problem is that as that happened, it started to become, it started to move more away from the kind of the more naturalistic elements of the early series and became more and more, heightened and so there's a kind of a sweet spot in the middle few series probably from sort of I suppose like second half of the second series to to I don't know maybe say series four where the show is for me is in the sweet spot of being sort of still fairly grounded it's still fairly grounded and the characters are still likable but it's got the kind of the more dramatic elements and the more kind of the you know, there's a bit more to it, I think, than there was in those early couple of series where it's fundamentally just like a just a fairly conventional sitcom. Um, but then obviously that, after that, it becomes more and more cartoonish and more and more. And the characters change so much. I mean, Roseanne in that 
in the latter series is a completely different character than she is in the first few, first two or three, you know. She is a completely different character. She's almost the opposite in many ways. So, it, I mean, yeah, there's, there, for me, I've always liked those that kind of sweet spot in the middle. And I like the Halloween episodes because they are, you know, they're always fun. But I wouldn't say that they are, they don't touch on what I really like about the show at its best, which is those kind of, the, the blend of sort of dramatic elements and comedy, you know, really, really funny, well-written comedy. Something I really, uh, really liked about this particular episode uh, on a re- on a re- I say rewatch because I do feel that I have seen it before at some point, but um, <laughs> uh, but it it's is the I like the idea that the uh, I mean it's sort of a I, I suppose this obviously this probably reflects across the entire series, not just Halloween, but because it's a uh, the Halloween because it's something to focus on like a seasonal episode of um, it it it's more apparent about the adults having arguably more fun than the than the children um and and i think i think that's i think that's uh and i i I like that i mean in that opening scene you have um roseanne and jackie uh reminiscing about um uh, you know about halloween you know when they and when they were younger and and also you get direct references almost immediately to uh well caramel apples or caramel apples trick or treat fancy dress um and yeah it's just there's a it seems that it's it's just a it's a very like that it's it's uh, for a series that did evolve into more um controversial um uh areas uh at the time um it's it's this yeah i know exactly what you mean when you say about how down the line it feels like almost it's like very believable it's it's almost it's not it's more obviously gaggy but it's it's a lot more like something like the royal family, you know, as in the royal family, the two, the sick, the sitcom, obviously, um, it's that kind of. It's it's got things in common with that kind of thing. It's kind of like a grounded uh, sort of snapshot of life for you know those you know people people at, of, with that kind of in that kind of household. You know, it, it feels really believable for me and really as I say kind of grounded and they're not big characters I mean to me I mean in that in that first scene for example you've got like John Goodman obviously was so so good in those early series I mean he was good all the way through but in those early series in particular he was just on another level and he was you really kind of just can see why that why Roseanne would love him you can you can really see the chemistry between them they have such good chemistry in those early series and they're just He's just such a brilliant and such a believable father, you know. He's just, you know, the way that he acts and things he does, it's just so um, pitch perfect, I think, without being, he's not over the top, he's not, you know, ridiculous. And you can get, he's just funny enough, he's just, um, I just think he, he's really, really good. And that whole scene is good, just so talking to Jackie and just the way they are. It's just you get two sisters goofing around. They've obviously got like, they obviously have always loved Halloween and they they obviously have these little stories that they always bring out and they've obviously done before. And, you know, it's just, it's it's great. It's a really good way to open the episode, I think. It's, it's, and it's not, uh, you know, there's nothing, There's it's not hysterically funny or particularly, you know, there's nothing particularly revolutionary about it. And it's a little bit slow paced, actually, I think, uh, a couple of points. But it is a very believable situation with 
very likable characters and you just the kids and everything it's just the, the whole thing feels real I yeah I mean why what I, I that my initial feeling after watching it uh again recently um was the uh kind of a warm and fuzzy vibe it reminded me of like if I was watching um uh sort of like old 80s adverts it kind of had that kind of you know but old 80s Halloween adverts perhaps in particular and and that just that kind of sense of um nostalgia and yeah I and and yeah I mean as I say I I, I wouldn't say I didn't find it slow paced as such. I mean, it's 23 minutes, but uh, but at the same time, I think I did notice quite uh, significantly there's really a solid A plot of Halloween pranks and that all tying in together. And then a very, really only, I think, really give or take, there's only really one scene that kind of detracted from that, which was a very thin B plot of um, uh, Becky not being invited to... Yeah, it, <laughs> there's no... Sorry, yeah. Oh no, I was saying it's yeah, like it's just about um, it and it just ultimately becomes she it, that dissolves into the a plot because it's like oh well, yeah, it's to it, is there is it? It's like it's brought up. She's a bit downbeat, and then she goes upstairs. Basically, I think it's really an excuse for Roseanne to give her that little speech about the meaning of Halloween and why they love Halloween, or you know, even why they love it. But what well, you know, it's just her to kind of do that silly little speech to her um in the in the living room, and then. Then she goes up. So, did you see? Did you spot the leg? By the way, I noticed there was a little goof. Did you see it in the background on the stairs? Oh, um, I, I noticed was, that basically someone off off the in that scene where she, where Roseanne is telling her about Halloween in the you know in the foreground, the staircases uh, around the back, and I could see somebody's. They almost looked like somebody was sat on the floor moving the legs. I wondered if it was. Um, I forgot what his name is. The the guy that plays um, DJ. Um, what's his name? I actually have it brought up here. What's his name? Michael, Michael Fishman. Yeah. I wondered if Michael Fishman, because it looked like somebody was sitting down, and I wondered if maybe he was going to pop out later, you know, going to come down the stairs, but he didn't. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it wasn't him, but I could. I noticed somebody's leg was moving around uh, on the staircase. <laughs> A little bit of an acorn antiques moment. Yeah, um, it was. It really was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's it's interesting as well because I mean, when if you look at like a, a very thin B plot in a Halloween episode in comparison to how they utilize DJ's character a few Halloweens later when there's the episode where he wants to go to a party as a witch and Dan doesn't like it. Yes. Um, and suddenly that's when you can start seeing more of a, you know, more, more of a, uh, more br uh, topics, uh, uh, you know, approached that's in that way. That's exactly my point really is that as the series went on, it started doing more, interesting things i think it was it was as the show went on it got more interesting from a sort of a i call it, i say dramatic point of view i mean sometimes it was genuinely dramatic you know there were some real you know bit scenes and stuff that aren't funny at all they're just straight down the line drama really i, I would say but uh, but they also were doing fairly you know they were touching on some interesting topics and even the early series did to an extent but it was a lot more <clears throat> you know it wasn't particularly it was, they weren't as interesting and it wasn't uh, it was i think the early series it's more just the fact that these things are even these you know people like them are even appearing on tv i think that was kind of the i presume i mean i'm not american and i'm i i you know i wasn't i wasn't uh watching it when it came out but you have to assume that that and by all accounts that was what made it distinct early on and then once it kind of found its feet in an audience anyway i think it became more Sort of interested in increasingly sort of not controversial topics, but 
you know, touching on some more interesting topics, really. I mean, they, they did some, they did ironic when you consider everything that happened uh, with Roseanne later on in her life, but they do a fantastic, a fantastic episode about racism um, where uh, DJ doesn't want to kiss a black girl in his, in a school play. That's a, a really good episode that, um, and, uh, and has one of my favorite endings of a sitcom ever, I think. And there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole bunch of really, really strong episodes uh, in that kind of, to start, start, I would say, from sort of series two or through to, you know, later on. But, <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, I do think this, this episode doesn't really have that. I mean, I was saying that when I mentioned earlier about how this the show was still a fairly traditional sitcom, really, I would say, in terms of its jokes and its storylines and stuff, I mean, you, you, they even go so far as to have the, the kind of the ultimate cliche of the, the old-fashioned sitcom where the, the guy's, well, not, he's not his boss, but, you know, the, the, the guy who turns up at the door to, to go over the work with, with Dan, you know, and like, oh, no, we've got, I've got to act properly for, I've got to act, you know, professionally now, and he sat stood there with an axe in his head and stuff like that. I mean, it's a pretty, I mean, that's, that's about as old school as you get. It's kind of like, the boss is coming to dinner, and, you know, I mean, it's not, it doesn't really turn into a full-blown, you know, fast, but it is, I mean, it certainly feels a little bit contrived, the way that this guy just turns up and, oh, I just thought I'd just turn up and see if you wanted to go over the plans. It's like, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit goofy, really. Yeah, that in fact, uh, now that you mention it, the uh, the boss, the boss coming to the house trope has actually been referenced even very recently in kind of meta shows like Kevin can uh, fuck himself and um, and One Division. Um, both both have had that um, incorporated. So yeah, it's it's interesting. The um... I mean, that's what I would say. I mean, I can't even really think of many episodes. I can't think of anything that did that sincerely. But I'm sure there must be. Um, my, my, it's something which has been referenced so much that I can only assume it's based on like probably old black and white classic American sitcoms, you know, like I Love Lucy and stuff. There's probably loads of episodes in those kind of sitcoms that are like, you know, the boss is, boss is coming around for some reason or some some big business deals coming around. I'm sure there are loads of episodes of that, but I mean, it's it, it, I did I did have to smile when I watched it this time because I thought, oh dear, that's that feels really kind of like, that, that really put, for me, sums up, that it's early Roseanne because it still has that slightly, um, you know, fairly traditional sitcom plot, even if the sort of the, the P, you know, even if they as a family are not necessarily a traditional sitcom family, they are, it is still a fairly traditional sitcom plot of, you know, um, bloke turns up at the door and all this sort of thing, you know. It's yeah, and it's um, I mean, it, it still managed to subvert expectations very slightly. So, for example, at the beginning, when um, near, near the beginning, when um, Roseanne shows off her witch hat and, and cape, and you're like, and when I saw that, I thought, oh, this is very tame. And then, um, yeah, and then it's well, yeah, the mate she turns around and with the makeup and the wig and everything later, and you're like, ah, oh, okay. And and I thought that I, I like that, yes, I thought the same. It was quite funny, really, because. I mean, obviously, I've seen the episodes before, but I had kind of forgotten that the early episodes are significantly tamer than they they went on to be with with the Halloween episodes. I mean, later ones they are. I mean, some of them sort of almost look like I was thinking about that one. I think I think it's like only probably a series or two later. It's probably a couple of series um, after the episode we watched. It's probably like series four, I reckon. There's an episode where they've got like 
like a, an alien coming out of somebody's stomach and you know it's like a it's obviously a hand puppet but i mean it's it's like it it's not really something that i believe that the characters would genuinely be able to make or you know wear on halloween whereas in this one you genuinely could see that they could you know, they could all they could put that together they could the whole arrangement they could probably just about put put together in this in what you see in this it's you know it's heightened slightly for tv but it's it's fundamentally a believable sort of situation for a family that really throw themselves into Halloween. You know, you believe that they could probably just about pull off that kind of a house tour with all the, you know, the music and all the costumes and the person under the table. And although I don't know how you do that, actually thinking about it, because is it the normal table? <laughs> you drill a hole, <laughs> it saws a big hole in it, like, you know, Bugs Bunny almost. But I yeah. don't know how that would work, but uh, I suppose I've never really thought about it. I suppose that- it'd be a tap- it could be a, it could be a separatable you know, sort of an extender yeah of the uh, right yeah um i mean i, I mean i I, th- I thought that particular reveal of jackie uh, with the fangs was actually quite that was quite scary makeup i thought that was quite um of all of all the reveals as well i think it's, good, it's a good visual uh you know for uh for the when she goes over and just lifts it off and it's a, yeah it's a it's a I, I think that whole all that stuff in the house is good really it's 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 fun to see how what they do there, and like I say, it's not it's not too silly because later on, even though they really do lean into Halloween, they get, you know later on, it's it clearly is more silly later on to the point where they just it, it, you couldn't really believe that they could do what they actually end up wearing, and you know, it's like it's like top end cosplay you know? <laughs> in in twenty twenty one. It's that kind of level of uh, the sort of thing that really feels like it would cost a lot of money to. To, to put together and to make. I mean, I, I, I've been in, um, the only time I've been in uh, Los, well, the only time I've been in America during Halloween was when I was in Los Angeles in 2018. And um, I mean, um, I mean, I, I didn't really see anyone's in, in the interiors of their houses, but certainly on the outside, um, uh, there was some very, very elaborate, um, very elaborate things. And I mean, I, uh, as a side note, um, so the actual Elm Street from Nightmare on Elm Street is just off, if my memory serves me correctly, night um, just off Sunset Boulevard, um, and but it's this lovely avenue, you know, and, and the and it's you know if if you didn't have the palm trees in the distance or you know the Hollywood you know the, the Hollywood Hills in the background, for the most part, you know, on a certain level, it's a hundred percent. You can imagine this not being you know not being uh, in in California, um, but the but the fact that you'd walk you'd walk down there and there are people setting up um, uh, all the uh, uh, decorations and everything and they must of course get so many people going down there and taking photos of the original house and and i was i was concerned that we we i, I didn't really think about it at the time until it happened but i was concerned that you know would they hey you know get it get off the get off this you know um but mm. um i was with a friend and we got approached by someone going ah yeah you guys looking for the elm, elm street house and like yeah yeah and and he was and he he said he'd said he'd been living there for about 30 40 years and how he remembered them filming certain scenes on location at one point and um and he and he was explaining he was pointing out how the house has changed you know from the exterior over the years and oh, i know you remember you might remember that used to be there in the film and and I, it was just quite yeah it's a very um it brings out uh i think i think probably arguably the cynicism in the last 15 20 years has probably dulled it a bit but i think it certainly is a time of the year that's um 
that's generally treated like just a time to let loose and have some fun and and kind of the you know and and that's that certainly comes across in um in this episode in particular the idea of um adults get to sort of yeah you know have the opportunity to have as much fun as the kids and um and of course um it's a chance for them to let their hair down i suppose is probably the idea and that that you know for for roseanne because again that's such a fundamental difference between the early series and the later series because in early series of roseanne roseanne is someone who works really really hard she has two jobs sometimes in some of the series she has I can't know exactly how many she may have, but more than that times. Dan has multiple jobs. You know, they they're always taking on extra work. You know, they are really hardworking, um, and you know they want to do right by the family and all these sort of things. And then later on, the set, the later part of the the later series, they are they've like they're like enthusiastically lazy. And by what I mean by that is that they are like they consider themselves lazy they want to be lazy they are uh you know i'm, I'm not for a second saying like i'm not saying like the power of work uh, you know I'm, <laughs> I'm not taking that line but i'm just saying like from the point of view of the characters they are fundamentally different from somebody who in the early series is somebody who who you know they might not like work of course but they they you know they are someone who work as hard as they can because they've got to because they've got to pay the bills and they've got kids and all the rest and then in the later series she's just like she's someone who's always trying to get somebody else to do the work for her she's always trying to dodge dodge responsibility and dodge work and dodge anything and it's kind of like such a fundamental difference between her character is just totally different you know she's she's not and she's a horrible person in the later series you know she's just a she might arguably be maybe maybe a more complex character because obviously there's certain layers to the character and stuff in the later series as like abandonment issues and other bits and pieces going on which is can be played for an interesting she's quite an interesting character still in the some as it goes on but she's just a horror she's such a horrible person um later on she just treats everyone like total shit and she's just horrible in later on. But in those early series, that's not true at all. She's a really likable, really likable person. And everyone goes on about how she's so loud and all this sort of thing. It's not true at all in the early series. She's not, she's not someone that's always yelling and, you know, you know, that kind of like that classic, hey, Dan, you know, that kind of, that's not, she's not like that in the early series. The first series, she's really, she's almost, I don't want to say she's soft-spoken. <laughs> she can be soft-spoken, but she's not. She's not like that at all. She's she's such a different character. And um, just to turn that back to what to what we were saying about the episode, I think that is the thing is that in those early episodes, it's kind of like they get into it because you know it's a chance for them to let their hair down. It's a chance for them to to have fun, you know. So of course, but it's kind of like for a, for one that night of the year, they can they can really act like kids again, but <clears throat> but and be and be young again, but. That's so. I think that's probably a big part of the appeal of the Halloween episodes and what what it's meant to mean for the characters in those early few series when they when they do Halloween ones. But then obviously as they go on, I think <laughs> that doesn't really stand up to much scrutiny anymore. It's just like a, it's just like a thing they have to do because they've always done the Halloween episodes. But it's certainly I think early on. It's kind of it just makes sense that they would you know it's a chance for them to do something fun and silly and the kids find it's a bit naff, but they always even they seem to get into it after you know. Um, once they, once they sort of, you know, once they're kind of encouraged to a little bit. So, 
I remember when I was when I was a child watching um, Roseanne. That I I I I always uh, my favorite character at the time was almost certainly Darlene, um, and 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 um, and I like the fact that she kind of um, you know we were saying about um, Roseanne and Dan and Jackie all kind of letting their hair down and 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 being able to be kids for a night. And I, I've always I always liked um, not just the Halloween episodes but generally throughout the series. Darlene was always. Um, the this I don't want to say cynic. I don't want to say necessarily cynic. Certainly, as she got older, I'd say probably realist. Uh, or the, the the most grounded character, um, perhaps. I think I think when she was like, a, well, I think, I think the different. I think she was. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would necessarily say she was a cynic. I I, I agree. I think I'm, the other characters would consider her a cynic, but. <laughs> As a cynic myself, I consider her a realist. So I do agree with you on that. But I, she was, I do think she was, it wasn't so much that, that there was that the, she was definitely a, what's the word, what's the phrase for it? Kind of like she was certainly very, uh, a bit of a downer. You know, she was somebody that kind of was always putting people down, always, which of course, in fairness, they do really, they write that, but as if, she gets that from her mum, you know, she gets that from Roseanne. Roseanne is like that. Roseanne is someone that, um, you know, basically sort of controls the controls the household by through jokes and humour and, you know, force of will. I mean, certainly by the sort of the sort of middle series, that's how she's how she's written. She's someone that that through a combination of force of will and, you know, humour, she that's how she kind of dominates everyone around her. Uh, and then obviously that gets more and more out of control as the series goes on. But I certainly think they that it, it's a, it makes sense, of course. Darlene, it makes perfect sense that Darlene would would kind of take after Roseanne, and that that is what she gets from her from her mum is a humour. In fact, they even I think they literally say that in one of the episodes. There's a, there is an episode where where they I'm, I'm sure they refer to the fact that, that is something that she does get from from Roseanne is it's it's her sense of humour. It's she's she's just she she faces the unpleasantness of life with with humor that's how she combats it i mean i'm i'm intrigued to eventually at some point i i would like to um watch a, at least a couple of episodes um, by contrast of the connors um, yeah i'd like to see that too yeah i mean one thing i i noticed uh, immediately on, on on wikipedia was um how uh, when you're scrolling through say episode descriptions of the original roseanne series they're probably about two or three lines um, and with the Connors, uh, all of the episodes there is looking at sort of about 10, 12 lines and, 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 and certain keywords pop up, which definitely when you're reading it, you don't, you don't see it. You don't read it as a comedy at all. Uh, so I'm very intrigued. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. Actually, cause even though I haven't seen, I, I, I know obviously Roseanne came back for, was it one series? And then it obviously, for obvious reasons, that was taken off and they'd replaced it with the Connors. Is that right? Is that the, is that the, it was one series that it came back, wasn't it? It was, it, yeah, it was about 10 episodes or so. And then, it, and then, and then it got shut down and, and they were very close to uh, October at that point. So it would have been interesting had it not all so gone horribly even, wrong. hadn't even finished the, series, the first series then. Is that right? Because you see, I didn't watch it when it came out that first series. I, I still haven't seen the, the, the renewed, the, the returned series so did they only get halfway to well it doesn't really matter i suppose ultimately uh what i was <clears throat> what i was going to say was was that i have watched you know quite a few clips of of both series just to see what just to get a sense of what it was like and things like that and one of the things i did notice was that a lot of the 
certainly a lot of the clips that are uploaded are clips of like clearly taking you know continuation of those kind of things i mentioned earlier about how it's like there's a dramatic a uh, lot of stuff which is just play straight drama it's not play for laughs it's just straight drama you know whole scenes which are just like that and several of the clips i watched were just straight drama but i have to say the one thing that stood out to me is that they were kind of like how they they were like really sentimentally written and kind of really kind of soapy you know rather than because there's a fine i think roseanne did straddle a bit of a fine line in this later series between even when it was the comedy was terrible as it went on uh, in those later series but it it still managed to have some interesting like sort of dramatic storylines and characterization and things that happened with the characters and stuff some of that stuff was quite good dad, dad dan and his dad for example and various other things were were still quite interesting even in the when the show wasn't being well written really but um it, it's it, there was always a fairly fine line between being dramatic and being pretty soapy and pretty, you know, over the top. Really, I mean, it's it's you've got to be is a you know it can get overwrought if you go too far with it. And I, the clips I watched of I think it was the Connors, they seemed pretty pretty overwrought. I thought they seemed pretty melodramatic and silly and a bit you know. Mm. I saw a bit where um, what's her name? I can't remember what her name is now. Uh, Lisey Goranson, is that her name? Becky oh, but yes, yeah, the um, Becky number one. DM, IMDb, I can't say it. IMDb. Um, I just had, I had to glance at it there to see what it was. Yes, where, the one who plays Becky. She, there's a scene with her and Dan talking about, um, you know, her husband dying, and that was pretty, pretty. Even if you put aside the fact that you know. Maybe not the greatest actor. She's not. I mean, I'm not. She's she's good enough, but she's not a great actress. But she's she. It, it just the writing. I thought was was pretty on the nose. <laughs> mm. It was. And um, there was another scene I watched with Darlene finding out that also another character from the original series had had died. And I, I thought, this is, this is a, I mean, I'm obviously watching them out of context. It doesn't help. But I did think it seemed a little bit. You know, it just seemed a little bit on the soapy end rather than kind of what for me was the sort of sweet spot where they kind of a lot of that stuff was being touched on, but it wasn't quite so heavy handed, perhaps. Yes. And I think um, I mean, I would be I'll be intrigued to check it out at some point. I think I mean, it's it's interesting when certain sitcoms on go on for slightly too long as well, generally, that the I mean, there's one that springs to mind, I mean, uh, How I Met Your Mother. Um, and the, without giving too much away in case you haven't seen it or, uh, but, but it's um, the, the way it gets to its end point um, generally wasn't, wasn't favoured particularly well. well it wasn't well received is the best way of describing it. But, but it, it wasn't well received in the sense that as far as I can recall, um, it suddenly it suddenly twisted it into a more of a drama vibe than than a comedy vibe and, and you know and it built up a lot of kind of um uh comedic lore in in the in the narrative and and these ongoing jokes and you know references and everything and then when you got I, as far as i remember when you get to the when you get to the end point of it it it, it suddenly it seems like something completely different and i i i'm intrigued i mean it 
I mean, in relation to Halloween, this Halloween episode in particular, and also, I mean, this was, um, it was very, it was very lucky timing in terms of um, the te like television sitcoms at the time. I mean, if you consider probably, probably what considered to be the most popular Halloween sitcom episodes of all time would arguably be the Treehouse of Horror from The Simpsons. Um, and I noticed that there are references to further pranks in um, on you know uh, future episodes of Halloween episodes of Roseanne after this, um, and I, I like the. I like the idea that there is a continuation that obviously they can only milk that prank element, you know, until you get elaborate to, you know, to ridiculous anyway. Do you know how that, that ends? You know what, the, what, how far do they go with it? Do you? No, have, uh, by all means, I'll be, yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. There's obviously a number more, there's a number of episodes or Halloween episodes after that, where they continue the sort of pranking each other through line. That's all the way through this, this episode, but the, it kind of it culminates in I can't remember what series it is, but it's certainly I think it's probably only about the middle series. It's not even that that it's not it's not is what I'm about to describe is ridiculous, but it isn't as far down the series as you would expect for something as ridiculous as this. She uh, at the end of the episode, she <laughs> she pulls out a plunger and blows up the house, which of course is obviously fantastic. It's just like a little credits thing but it is it is does feel like the obvious stepping off point at that for their uh their pranks and stuff at that stage you know i don't think they and there's one as well i think there's i may i can't remember which series this is but it may even be the same episode but there's one where she goes to the lodge where they're all having a party in fact it may even be the one where um uh the one you mentioned the one where thingy comes back where fisher comes back or whatever not fisher um What's the name of George Clooney's cat? Well, mm. uh, Booker. 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 Yeah. That was him. Fisher was um, the other other boyfriend. Uh, yeah, so Booker comes back, and I think it's the same episode as that. It ends with her with with Roseanne setting off a, a fire alarm, like a all right sprinkler system, I think it is, and and everybody happened to leave. Although I'm doubting myself now, I'm part of me is wondering: is that another show? <laughs> I think that's right. I'm sure that's right. That that's what she does. But that doesn't really feel like a prank, though. That's the only thing. It's like I, I remember thinking that the at the end of this episode, that when she's on the phone and she's sort of saying, "Oh, my parents are coming up," it's not really the same as. I mean, I know it's just. I know it's obviously just kind of leaning into the domestic life kind of thing but it it does feel a bit of a naff ending really and a naff punchline to the uh to the scaring each other thing where it's like i mean it's not really the same thing to pretend that your mum's coming up to your mother-in-law's gonna have to come it's not like really the same as a as him pretending to you know, <laughs> with, a, with a chainsaw is it it's not quite the same I I quite like. It's obviously meant to be the gag, but it's it's a bit naff. I think. I I quite liked it. I like the subversion of the of the of the the absurdity of how they were constantly kind of you know blood and guts and gore and you know very very elaborate um, uh, pranks and then the idea that they they take something that could be something that could realistically happen and make make that and him reacting to that making they sort of bring it back home. I felt it might not have been the best prank. As such, I think but the problem with it is that they—it's such an obvious. It, it's obvious what's going to happen. I think maybe that's the biggest problem with it is that 
because it basically follows three pranks. There's like three back together, you know. It's effective. It, it has like a double beat. So you have the the bit with the with the guy that's turned up, the, the guy that he's got the job with. <clears throat> they, they do all the faking it as if to look like he's, you know, they're, they're doing all these pranks on him. And that's actually the prank on on Dan. But then, and that's then the, the technically the end of the episode of the main plot. But then they have the obviously the next scene, which kind of feels like it should just be the kind of the, you know, like the little the beat at the end, which is obviously Dan turning up when she's in the <clears throat> when she's in the garage and or you know trying to trying to scare her in there, and with the with the chainsaw and all that stuff. And I mean that's that's fine. I mean that's to me that's where that's really where the episode should end. But then obviously then they have this sort of, it's like a kind of a, a double beat or a third a third mm. beat. Of oh, and also there was another prank she played, which is the and of course by that point you know that whatever you've only got like another thirty seconds of the episode left, so you know that whatever you're watching now is going to somehow be connected to what you've already said or what's just happened. And of course, there's you the second you know you hear on the phone saying, "Oh yeah, mum, well you come up and stay with us." The second you hear that, you know it's not real because because of how Dan's reacting, and then of course. I don't know. It just feels it's a bit. It just feels like a bit of a corny, a bit corny, a uh, bit of a corny ending. Did you feel it was? Uh, it felt a bit tagged on. It felt. I don't know if it was a time thing. Maybe it was. I, I think probably, if I'm honest, what I suspect is that I suspect what it is is I suspect they had the end of the episode, but maybe they didn't have enough to fill out the full episode. I don't know. But then, really, they probably should have just had one beat at the end. But they probably didn't want it to end with Dan winning. You know, because the, yeah. the show is Roseanne. So they probably thought, well, we've got to sort of contrive a way that Roseanne ends up on top. But we, we've we already had her winning the, the, already had her doing the prank on Dan with the, with the bloke that turns up and to see the plans and all that stuff. So it's kind of like, I think they probably felt like they had to, they had to put something between that to show that she, do you know what I mean? I feel like they kind of backed themselves into a corner where they kind of already had Roseanne win, but then they wanted to have the kind of the, the cool beat at the end where Dan has the chainsaw and stuff, but they couldn't have Dan win. So they then have to have a third version where she where she wins again. And it's a bit, it just feels a bit like a kind of, um, you know, a bit of a contrived thing. I do like, what I do like a lot more is the one earlier on where she's faking choking because even though it's obvious it's not real, it's, he knows it's not real. And so the reaction is funny. It's funny to see how he's kind of like just the way and the way he acts it is such a funny way of you know, he plays it in a really funny way, the way he moves his head at one point, kind of like like that. He's a really big sort of sweep of his head and stuff. It's just I, I really, I really like that. I thought that was a really funny scene. And it and then she just falls on the floor and then there's that long pause and then she yells at him. I think that was really that was a really good that's a really good bit. It's probably maybe well, I don't know if it's my favorite joke in this episode, but it's certainly I think that's one of the strongest jokes in it. I also like the way we were introduced to the the initial run of pranks because when she's doing her hair. Um, and she and you're not really sure what's this for, and it's only the reveal then of when she puts the hand a hand in the toaster and starts shaking that you realise ah okay right I, yeah I, I didn't even think about that of course it was yes I didn't even make that connection you're absolutely right yeah that is good that is good if I I mean I even like I again it's like such a simple stupid thing but I like Darlene coming in and dribbling blood into the the breakfast because that is exactly what Darlene was like in those early episodes she's just a she's not a brat that's not the right word but she's just a you know she's a 
little pain in the arse. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of, that's the right for her character. It's, it's so right for her that she she comes in and does that, and you just sort of think, you know, she just sort of just being a little a gross kid, and it's it. I kind of miss that in Darlene a little bit later on because even though Darlene is is well written later on. And is probably one of the more consistent characters as the series goes on. Actually, she's one of the ones that actually does stay fairly true to us, true to the characterization all the way through, relative to the others. But because almost nobody else does, but she she does generally stay pretty consistent. But I do I do miss that about Darlene in the uh, the later episode, the later series, because in the early ones she was because she just becomes effectively just the grumpy one. You know, she's just a grumpy misanthrope. Uh, who just hates everything and you know I think that's what she is she's it's not that she's cynical but she's a misanthrope she hates everyone and thinks the worst in everything and so there isn't I mean I suppose you could say there is an element of cynicism in that but it's certainly like it it is more like I think she's a misanthrope is really what Darlene becomes Mm. but she she early on you know that isn't quite that isn't quite the case she is um you know, she's just got a dark sense of humour and she's got a, I mean, that's what I think. It is. She's just a, not not a gross, she's not, but she's just got, she's got, she's a, she's a troublemaker and stuff in the early series. And it's kind of, I think it's a bit of a shame that she becomes a little bit more one note later on, even though they kind of still give it lots of interesting storylines and stuff. <laughs> Obviously there's the less interesting stuff with David that really runs its course and goes on and on and on and never ends. Um, <laughs> but because that is that's a definitely weird thing. I, I, the the stuff with David in the later series is so weird. <clears throat> when he's still living with them, and yet he's not, you know, he's not going out with her, and he's just stuck in the basement, and they all don't like him particularly. He annoys them all, and he's like, "What? Why is that? Why is David still here? It doesn't make any sense." It's just because people like the character, I guess, but he's not. Uh, it, it doesn't really make any sense at all that he's still there. It, but, I. I get confused because uh, I—I mean, I—I'm certainly overdue a rewatch of of the, of the original run. Um, so, uh, um, who, who who did Johnny Galecki play? David. That's who he. Played. That is David. He, okay. So, so, yeah, Johnny Galecki played David, who was uh, Darlene's boyfriend. <clears throat> in I don't know. He actually, I think, I've got. A, did he appear in an earlier episode? I've got a feeling he appears. I'm trying to remember, he was he was the brother because again, sorry, it's been a couple of years since I watched it. He was meant to be the brother of um, Becky's boyfriend, who is you know the uh, Mark. Mark, that's the one they all. So he was meant yeah. to be the brother of Mark, and there I I got a feeling that that he's in an earlier episode and they changed the actor or something. Anyway, the point is that basically he gets together with with Darlene. And for a couple of series, they're together, and then they split up. But what in the interim, she, he basically gets kicked out of his house and has to go and uh, Darlene basically begs uh, Dan and Roseanne to let him stay with them, which they agree to eventually. But it is the problem is that obviously then they then Darlene and um, and him split up, and of course at that point. Yes, they, they, but they, he then stays there for for several more series, and it doesn't make any sense because he's just he's just this boy living in the in the um, it, it, as if he's like another son to them. But and they and, but he doesn't really 
none of the characters really have a chemistry with him at that point anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's like really the only person who's got any chemistry with him after that, after he splits up with with Darlene, the only person really that has got any kind of relationship with him is is Roseanne. She kind of feels sorry for him, but it, it's just a weird that that whole thing is is one of the biggest missteps of the kind of the mid series leading on into the later series where where obviously there were lots like that but that that is one of the i think just one of the biggest mistakes that they they made is that he was still there for so long i have vague memories of the relationship between david and dan being almost akin to the relationship between fraser and eddie the dog uh i i just kind of remember it yeah, it, like him, him sort of being quite like you know, you still here kind of thing. It was exactly. he, he, he didn't, he didn't really want him to stay there. And I think what happens is that Roseanne, as I recall, persuades Dan to let him stay, and so he does, thinking it won't be for that long. But Dan, quite understandably, doesn't really want him to be staying there indefinitely. And of course, once he splits up from Darlene, he quite understandably thinks that he shouldn't still be there, and. Uh, but he, but he, <laughs> and there's a couple of episodes where he, where like Dan really, like shouts at him and stuff because there was nothing mm. in that series more scary than when John Goodman shouts at another character. Because oh when, yeah. Well, when Dan is meant to be angry, he gets pretty fucking scary, and it, it's, I mean, it's pretty. You know, it can be pretty tense to watch. To be quite honest, because it's quite, it's really, it is quite scary how he, how, and he plays it so well. But he really, there's one where he punches a hole in a wall and stuff. It's like frightening, really. And I, but, um, I, I, I think, um, I mean, I forgot how animated Dan was, uh, in certainly in those early, early episodes. But I mean, on a, on a, on a separate note, I was because I was confusing David with Mark and um, Glenn Quinn, uh, who played Mark. Because I, um, I now I. I didn't make the connection in my head until after he passed away, but because um, I, I I remember trying to get in, enjoying at least the first season of Angel, which he was in. Um, was he? Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, then I I noticed today that um, certainly in those earlier seasons, Josh Josh Sweden story editor. He was a story editor. So then it yeah. all connects back to um, then you know Glenn Quinn popping up in uh, in Angel, but um, I didn't know that he appeared in, in that. But that would be a very that would be the logical the logical point because because <clears throat> yeah, Joss Whedon was was um, I don't know if you I think he must have I think he wrote several of the episodes as well actually, but he I think he was story editor on quite a bunch, and so was um, Norm Macdonald, who obviously just recently died at the time of recording, mm. so. <clears throat> He, uh, he, he. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember exactly what he did, but he, he wrote. He was on the writing staff, and then I think in. I can't remember what series it was. It was like I don't know. I can't remember now which series. It's one of the one of the kind of the middle to late ones. He he was like a like a story editor or something. I think I can't. It was or something. He was some. He he got he got some sort of promotion, and then he left to um, do SNL. So, I I think um, uh, also. Um... Uh, just while it's on my mind, in reference to Dan's relationship with um, with David, uh, also reminds me a little bit of Uncle Phil and um, Will's friend. Is it Jazz or uh, w- w- Will's friend uh, in in uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air? And they had they had a very oh, clever. Too long since I saw that. Um, I mean, I used to love it when I was a kid, but I can't remember now. Oh, they they had a great recurring gag, uh, and it went on for quite a long time. Where every time. 
uh, he he brings let's call him Jazz for the sake of uh, memory. But um, every time J- Will brings Jazz or Jazz uh, Jazz comes over to the house, they would always it would the scene would always end with Uncle Phil throwing him out the house, and it would always be the same shot. It would be they'd use the same shot over and over in every episode, him just being thrown out physically out the house. Now, um, which I thought was great. I, there's so many. I mean, there there are so many uh, sitcoms. I'm I'm looking forward to exploring over the series. So many episodes of so many different shows, and maybe I should start. I mean, I should start using the reference point of all the different tropes and everything, and looking into those. But, um, but yes, I think. Um, I, I mean, uh, in in terms of uh, Roseanne, as you know, and obviously, um, you know, um, what what happened next? Uh, you know, arguably not just season 10 uh and and what happened behind the scenes and and, and everything but also um as you said like the sort of the later later seasons of the original run um you know it's uh it's been a it was a delight to uh have a look at an episode that was very much just a, just a really pleasant uh episode it, 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 there's it's no you know it seems, it seems I mean, it's quite I don't know how to describe it. It's it's quite it's quite a thing now to find an episode of a sitcom that um because it's seasonal, unless they're making very specific references. Uh I think really the only reference that I could think of uh, that made it in any way um dated was uh the sound the horror sounds of the haunted mansion cassette. Uh and that's yeah. you know, and beyond that, it's a it's a it's a pretty much it's pretty much a timeless Halloween episode. That's true, actually. That's that's true. Certainly I think um, I mean, it is fairly, I mean, it's just kind of like a slice of Americana, really, isn't it? I mean, again, I, what do I know? I mean, I've, I've been to America, but I've not lived, I don't live there, and I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not obviously an American. Uh, but it it certainly seems, it feels, or it feels authentic, I would say. it's It feels authentic, and it feels believable in those early series, I think. And even if the show was not necessarily the most interesting show in those early couple, those, those that first series or two. It's, it's a good, but it's not great. It's it's still really just a it's a it's a nice world to immerse yourself in. You know, it's it's nice, likable characters. It's it's just got a good a good feel to it, which I certainly would not say of the later series. Um, mm. and I think it does, as I say, I think it, I couldn't tell you the exact series that now, but I, I certainly I think the, like the middle series are the best ones, certainly like, you know, two, three, four, five, you know, those, those are probably not even five. I always think of being the, the real, the point at which it's, it gets, stops getting better and starts slowly to get worse is when, um, is when she runs away with Mark when, um, I'll keep forgetting her name, Becky. When Becky mm. runs away with Mark, because I think that's at the end of, I've got a feeling that's at the end of series three. And I don't think the show is ever as good as it was in, probably series two is probably the best, is probably what I'm saying. <clears throat> but I think probably series three is the best. And then um, series four is very good as well. And I think probably after series five, I really feel like it starts to, starts to, it starts to lose its way a little bit. But even then, I still truly believe there are, albeit less and less each series, there are still good episodes and certainly there are still really good scenes 
through a number, a good number more series. You know, there's several more series where you, even if maybe a whole episode isn't great, and maybe some of the, you know, a lot of the dialogue and stuff is not very good, and the characters are losing their way. It, the the right the the um the acting on some of the scenes is is just really good, and there's some really good stuff with with Roseanne, her dad, Roseanne and Dan and his fat his dad and. Just, just the and Roseanne with her daughters and how she feels like you know she's losing them and stuff like that. There's some really good stuff even in even past the point where I feel like it is starting to decline. There's still some really good stuff in there. Um, although I don't know if I, I I'm not sure if I would say the same of the last series. I'm not sure if that last series has got anything particularly to recommend it, but it's. Uh... I well, I was uh, I, I was thinking about the era that I would kind of became immersed in into the series and i think it was around the i think it was when leon uh became well, martin mull uh was good that that's a good series i can't remember if that's series three or four but that is a really good enjoyable series that one i've got a feeling that might be series three but i mean yeah i mean that's great he's great he's so good in that but in that series where he, that first one reappears it, it's they have like they're working in a in like a, a mall basically and they run in a cafe or whatever it is and he is their manager and he's he's really funny in that series with like he's really snippy and um funny and just you know he's always putting her down and like shooting her down and not shooting her down is not the right, right, right but he's one the, I, I think really what it is is that obviously she always kind of has a as a quip for everybody but he's one of the few people that can kind of Give as good as he gets, you know, yeah. and there's kind of that mutual respect, even though they don't like each other. He thinks she's crass and she thinks he's he's boring. And yet what they've got this kind of mutual respect and they've got that kind of they they can kind of face off against each other and, and they can kind of match match each other in terms of their wit. So I I and I've I've got a soft spot for Martin Mull generally because I um I I remember um well, I, I met him on, I went to a recording of um, a sitcom um, that he was uh, one of the main, main uh, well, in the main cast, um, Dads, a few years ago. Uh, I think it was called Dads. And he was one of the, the dads. Um, and um, I, because um, I, through circumstance and, and nepotism, I think is probably the, the fairest way of describing it, is um, I managed to sort of get a connection to Tom Gamble, who was producing the series, if I'm not mistaken, and um, and it was known known in part as alongside um, uh, his comedy writer, uh, comedy part, writing partner Max Pross, I want to say, uh, known for writing episode many numerous episodes of The Simpsons and various other shows they've been involved in, but um, uh, Letterman uh, as well, um, but. Um, and he met met up with him afterwards. After uh, met him on the set, I uh, got a photo with him, and um, and I I really became immersed into a series called Firmwood Tonight, which if you haven't seen, is a spinoff of um, Norman Lear's Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, um, uh, which is a a, a very um, uh, on point uh, satirical take on the soap, um, and um, it's it's yeah, and it's it's him and Fred Willard um uh playing um hosts of uh, well hosts and sidekick uh of a, like of a local talk show uh and it was 1970 late 70s yeah. he, he in roseanne him and fred willard end up as a married couple that makes perfect yeah. sense yeah you knew i wasn't sure if you knew that or not because uh obviously uh martin moles uh, he's gay, obviously. They reveal in that that first series where he appears, and then I think that's he's not in it after that. He's not in the next series or so. But then he comes back. He comes back 
a series or two later, and he bought he uh, I think he buys into the the place where they work or something. I can't quite remember. He basically, yeah, he basically becomes a partner with them, and obviously they want him as a regular recurring character again. And he he ends up getting married to uh, yeah Fred Willard. But they they they're a, they're you know they're, they're a couple and they they get married in that. And it's uh, they're actually I mean they become. It has to be said, a, a fairly offensive stereotype. Because ah. <laughs> he, he wasn't in that first series, but um, or at least not as I recall. But it's certainly uh, some of the some of the jokes and some of the stuff in the when they come back are. But but I mean, uh, Eva, you know, you have to be. Roseanne was very progressive for it for its time, and I think just having a gay couple. Who were you know who got married or uh, in a sitcom back then? I mean that was genuinely, you know that was brave. That was great. I mean I think that's good. But there's no doubt that a lot of that stuff has dated in terms of how they represent the characters. I mean there's no doubt that. I mean again her mother her mum became uh, they made they made gay. Um, I said they made gay. But I mean depends how you look at it. They could say that she they they decided that she was going to be a very. I, I, I think it probably was a, a like a like a lot of the stuff in those later series. It was an attempt probably to try and keep things uh shaken up but uh, they they said the but her mum they had and got a partner and you know they again so there was it was a progressive show absolutely but it was it you know some of that stuff's pretty dated and how they depict depict people and stuff uh, some of those characters now you know and i think probably um at the time there seemed to be a bit of a um a, a, i don't want to say streak but certainly um, there seemed to be uh, an ongoing factor, predominantly, I would say, in the 90s and early noughties, where um, there was kind of a race to, you know, lead forward with, you know, uh, uh, concerning pressing issues, but through comedy. I mean, and, and in terms of, um, uh, um, you know, in, in terms of actually not having a character that just a character that was uh, gay, but also the the, the actor playing the character. Um uh, and 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 I mean, in relation to say, for example, the uh, the Ellen Show, or Ellen as it was called over at the time. So I get the Ellen Show was her talk show, but Ellen, and I remember that was a big rotational. In, certainly in those early seasons, when she's, um, if I if I remember rightly, she's uh, just dating guys, and you know. But then it's oh, does it she? It was get... right the end of the, 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 she she came out, yeah. <clears throat> mm. and it was. Uh, and so I think, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's. I mean, that's a whole. That's a whole few. Ep- well, probably more than a few episodes uh, to 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 look further into that that um, that evolution of of um, of characters. Um, characters no longer becoming stereo. Characters no longer being stereotyped and becoming being being uh, addressed as you know as as well as real as all you know as real characters as as much as as everyone else's and i think that's still that is genuinely what that is genuinely what roseanne did originally when early on they have uh not that there's any relevance to the episode (laughs) the the halloween episode but they have um one of roseanne's friends i can't remember what her name is off the top of my head it's one of her best friends basic nancy Hmm. she's lesbian and uh, I, I mean, I can't remember exactly what series she's in. It's like when she first appears. But I mean, again, she's she's um, oh, she's going out with uh, her, Roseanne's actual husband at the time. So they introduced her as a character. And that anyway, so that she was she was really good, uh, a good character, and you know, wasn't wasn't played as a stereotype or anything like that. And 
Uh, and the same as I say for uh, Martin Muller's Leon, you know, exactly the same, <clears throat> you know, wasn't played for stereotypes in that first series. And then like so much of uh, Roseanne's character, I mean, like all the characters really in Roseanne, really, they all just became caricatures. And unfortunately, that meant that the the gay characters became just terrible, terrible stereotypes or, or certainly had far more material that was, you know, they just became defined by that. That was just their that was just yeah. it. That all there was to Leon in the later in the later series. Literally anything he said or anything they said to him had to be related to the fact he was gay. Or that wasn't the case. I mean, they didn't even um acknowledge that that he was gay until, you know, halfway through that series. And then after that, there was, you know, it still wasn't referenced really. So it's like it's it just felt like it, you know, that was just he was just a character who happened to be gay, but that's that's definitely not the case in the later the uh the later one, unfortunately. Also looking into it, I noticed that one of the from I, this was from memory, and then I, I, I double checked it. But uh, one of the first uh, gay characters was Billy Crystal's character in Soap, uh, the comedy series Soap, uh, in in the late seventies. And that um, and I from memory, I'd have to rewatch it, but I remember there was a certain ele- element of um, elaborate uh, elaborateness on on his part in terms of that that character. Um, I- I mean, as a as a as a as an actor, as a com- comedy actor who's generally quite uh, elaborate in his performances in terms of um, being very animated, but um, but yeah, I, I would be interested to kind of dig deeper into that into in, into uh, the evolution of of um, perception and and uh, and. Um, you think uh, Roseanne during its peak, it was it was a lot more. It was just really mature and progressive and interesting. I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, like, it's like I said before, there was the, one of my favorite episodes is the one where, um, as I mentioned before, it's where DJ has to kiss a black girl in, in a, in a play at school and he doesn't want to do it. And, you know, an episode about those kind of things could be really heavy handed or really kind of like, or just kind of like really safe conclusions about just kind of like, Oh, well, you know, you mustn't, you know, it could be really kind of, you know, just obvious and just not really that, just clumsy with how it handled it. But it, the way it does handle it, I mean, I won't go into all of that now because it's just another episode, but it is, it is a really good episode, how they handle it and how they acknowledge that the problems stem from, you know, he gets that from his family and, you know, nobody is... In, nobody is immune to prejudice basically everybody has like these little things that they may not realize they have that they they think they're above and that you know we all have these things which we may not realize oh well, actually i do have that little thing and then actually you get pointed out to you and you're like maybe you get defensive about it or you don't you know you don't want to admit it but those that it's a really interesting episode it's such a it's, I still think it. I genuinely think after all these years, it's still one of the most mature and forward-thinking episodes of a of a of a sitcom I've ever seen on those kind of topics. It's like even now you don't really see that kind of handling of of like kind of acknowledging that actually everybody has these these prejudices and stuff. Well, not that everybody has that. I'm not talking about to that same level, but that everybody has these kind of sometimes things that you don't realise you even have, things like that. And just kind of, I think it's such a mature, and it feels like it would be, it feels more relevant now in some ways than ever, because I feel like that's the sort of thing which 
people are finally kind of talking about more in a more mainstream way now the idea that you know obviously there's all these institutionalized things and you know the police and all this other sort of stuff and it's like it's it's interesting to see that in a sitcom from that long ago you know that they were talking and then, and then you think but then then you think about what you know the awful things that Roseanne has said since and you sort of think what the how did that how did the person that was the hand over all of that brilliant stuff and that sensitive stuff becomes so, just so, so far from that later on. It's just crazy, mm. really. And and I and perhaps I mean I perhaps uh, set the all the goodwill of those certainly those earlier seasons was set back a fair a fair a fair I amount. Mean, I think that's a real shame because I truly I truly believe that she was. I truly believe that she was uh, progressive when she was younger. I truly believe that she was a, um, I mean, she was even fairly left wing in her, in her opinions. I mean, she was, you know, she, she certainly, I mean, I, I, again, another thing that's deeply ironic considering what, you know, some of the things she went on to do and say later on, but like she was an enthusiastic supporter of Hillary Clinton, mm. uh, which not left wing. I'm not saying for a second that like Hillary Clinton, it makes you left wing. I wasn't that clear. But she, you know, in Roseanne, she talks about wanting a female, you know, the first ever woman president. And she talks about Hillary Clinton. And the irony, of course, is that then later on, and again, I'm not again in any way endorsing um, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I don't want my hands touched on that. Uh, but I just mean that it is ironic that later on, Roseanne was so vehemently again as I hated hated uh, Clinton later on and you know touch was going always going on about this stuff about you know pizza gate nonsense and pedophile rings and all that stuff I mean she was always connecting that she just hated it it was just it's all you know right and again I'm that's not me in any way defending I'm just saying I'm just trying I just want to make the point that I thought I thought I've always found that ironic that she just just Roseanne became so there were so many. She just shifted so much politically later mm. on, and I don't know. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's just, you know, money and being isolated, or mental health things, or just the people that she was with, or what it is. I'm sure there's a whole variety of issues that that led to that. But it's just it's crazy to think that somebody who is as I mean, quite clearly as bigoted as she. Well, I don't know about now, but I mean, certainly <laughs> she was certainly a lot very, very bigoted a few years ago. And it's hard to uh, it's hard to kind of put that to to match that up against this person who was so um, forward thinking, more so than almost any other show at the time, really, um, mm. with her handling of just you know issues around gay people and um, race and you know all sorts of all sorts of issue really and i think um uh in 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 direct relation to that i mean when i was looking at um the descriptions of the connor the connor's episodes um there's at least two 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 descriptions i saw one which which was they recorded um for the benefit at uh, live twice for the east coast and then the west coast on um uh, as the results were coming in for the most recent election um and there was another episode where which is set a little bit after and it says something along the lines of Dan and Darlene sit down and talk about their opposing political or their, their you know, their differing political views. Um, so that, it, it must be something that they are. I mean, the fact that it's in a fourth season must mean it's doing 
Who was that? You say who's this Dan that talks about the computing piece? Uh, uh, Dan and Darlene. Oh right, sorry. Yeah. Right, okay. Which which I mean I can picture the okay, size. Well. Yeah. Darlene was much more, um, you know, sort of what do you want to say lefty and than than. She wasn't. I mean, that was the thing. As we know, Roseanne and Roseanne in particular was meant to have been somebody who was fairly um, radical in her opinions when she was younger. And I mean, it was like you know they had been her and Dan had been by their own terminology kind of been like I don't know about hippie, but the, but certainly they're meant to have been like free spirits. They were meant to be you know they had really wanted they had wanted to change the world and they had wanted to be a force for good or so I mean again certainly Roseanne did and she wanted to be and I think that and that that carried into the character and the and the you know and the um in the in the storylines and stuff you know there were lots of storylines about how they were worried they'd lost that and that sort of thing. But so I, I mean, I've never believed. I mean, I know that obviously there was that episode in in the in the return series where it was maybe like Roseanne was supporting. I guess it would have been Trump, would it? Well, it must have been. <clears throat> and but, Jack, um, in, Jackie was Clinton, and uh, yeah. So it's just. Not, I mean, again, I suppose obviously people can change over time, and characters can change over time, and you know, people change politically over time quite clearly. But it it's it still doesn't really feel authentic to me that Roseanne, who had, even if she wasn't necessarily always going to be as left-wing as she had been, or relatively left-wing, um, as she was in those early series, she, I mean, she hated the Republicans in the in the early series. She hated them. She was, she was, she just didn't believe they represented her at all. And she was, she was like, that was like a point of her character. She was, but... Uh, like I mean, I suppose you could say that the character she plays in the first series and the character she plays in the ninth is totally different. So I suppose for her to then be an even more ridiculously, even more out there character by the time that they came back, I suppose it's not necessarily that out there, but it's it it is a shame because I feel like it was I feel like that the the kind of the spirit of the show was not in not in keeping with what what. They seem to have done in the in that in that episode, but I don't know. Well, I haven't seen it. I can't say that. Well, I mean, um, I mean, I think it's I think it's definitely um, uh, definitely works in its favour to have episodes like the one that we've we've taken a look at today in, in comparison, and know and know that there were times when it was an it was a friendly, innocent uh, was show, quite, awesome, quite a wholesome show. Really, that's the thing. It, yeah. it really was. The, the first series. I mean, I'd, I'd encourage you to watch some episodes from the first series as well because. It is so far from, even more so than the second series, it's so far, it's just a very, very straight down the line sitcom, but albeit featuring characters that at that time you probably wouldn't have seen on television that much. But but the actual material and the kind of storyline stuff, it's very, very, you know, it's not controversial. It's a very safe little sitcom it's a nice it's a nice show it's and it is quite funny but it is it's not you know it's not going to blow your socks off or anything in that uh, that first series and it's but it's a nice show it's a it's a and it's just interesting to see <laughs> it changes as it goes on and on and on and Roseanne just becomes like this monster as she goes as she as she went on it's and I think quite in real life I mean that it's not that just reflected I suspect her real life I mean you even see stand-up you see I don't know if you've ever watched some, some Roseanne's early stand-up and stuff but she, it is very much like, you know, 
as a mother, this is what it's this is what it's like. And you know, it's fair, it's sort of fairly what I would consider now fairly uh fairly ordinary um observational humor about uh you know just everyday everyday life for for, for you know a working mother or whatever but I imagine I don't know maybe I presume at the time that was probably a bit more much more unusual but I think there's probably a lot more like that sort of stuff now but it's it it's just interesting to think that uh she she was a very different person then and I think she she kind of transformed into um, maybe not I don't know but it seems that way well, um, Kelvin, thank you very much for uh, joining us to discuss uh, this episode today. And um, I hope you have a, a warm and fuzzy, nostalgic uh, Halloween um, weekend. Um, yes. Uh, which, uh, out of interest, which um, which episode, um, which follow-up Halloween episode would, would you be uh, looking at potentially uh, in the weekend for, um, for some more Roseanne Halloween vibes? <laughs> Um, see, the problem I've got is I can't remember exactly what they're. All, I can't remember what they're all called or what series they are. I just remember the sort of the, the the. I do. I like the one that you mentioned, which I think is series four. Is it or series? Yeah, the mm. one where there wants to be a witch. That's quite. That's a nice one. Um, and there's there's there's. I think the I I might, I might watch the next couple. So maybe like see because this was series two because they didn't have a Halloween episode in that first series. Mm. So this is series two. Is the first Halloween episode they did, and then so. I think maybe I might I might try might have a look at the the second the third series and the fourth series one so their their third sorry their second and third Halloween ones season three episode seven trick or treat I believe that one that one's called um, but um, great well um, have a uh, for our listeners I hope you all uh, all have a happy Halloween too and um, Kelvin thank you very much we'll hopefully see you again on the show soon thank you very much thank you for having me. Thanks again to Kelvin for joining us on this episode of the Sitcom Club USA. Check out Kelvin's excellent podcast, Radio Face Presents Idiot vs. Arsehole, available via www.podnose.com and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter via at Radio Face Comedy. I've been your host, George Grimwood, and we'll be back next time tucking into a Thanksgiving special. Bye for now. The Sitcom Club USA is hosted by George Grimwood and is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. Further episodes of the Sitcom Club USA can be found via our Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash podnose, and further episodes of our other shows on the network can be found via www.podnose.com. I did have a point, but I can't remember what the point was. Um, <laughs> Ah. <laughs> ah.